Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Momming Well Muslim, a podcast designed with the Muslim American parent in mind, addressing how to raise Muslim American kids born into a post 9 11 world. We will cover topics ranging from potty training to politics, and no topic is off limits. Along with our expert guests, we'll discuss what's new in the Muslim American diaspora or just what's new at our own kitchen tables. Join us, Zeba Hassan, Nuzma Jafri, who have a combined eight kids and 25 years of parenting experience, as well as just enough crazy between them while they pioneer this journey we call Momming Wall Muslim. Welcome everybody to another episode of Mommy Wall Muslim. Today's guest speaker is uh, very anticipated for us because I feel like this is a subject we don't pay enough attention to and we really need to be and that is money. Saliha is here today to talk to us about our relationship with money and to take a deeper look into that and to explore it. A little bit about Saliha Bahadvi. She is the founder and head coach of Stormbreaker Consulting. And once she gets on, I'm going to let her tell us a little bit about, uh, more about that. She's also an adjunct professor at the George Washington University School of Business, and she has kindly given us time today to um, explore money and let us ans- uh, ask some questions, and she will lend us her expertise. Welcome today, Salia. How are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Um, thanks for having me as your guest, and it's an honor to be here. It's a field that I love, and I, I'd be, you know, happy to transfer the knowledge to your audience. I know that this is your field, so for you, this is probably so exciting and so awesome. But most of us, money is really scary or boring, so we run the opposite direction when somebody talks about it. A little bit about about myself. I, um, you know, I I have I have an engineering degree, and then I got my <clears throat> degree in finance, and. Um, what what I realized throughout the whole time is exactly this: is that we, money is an essential part of our um, daily life, but most people actually try to ignore it, and um, have that um, have that um, feeling that they don't have to pay attention, pay too much attention to it, or they actually do pay too much attention to it. So, like, what is the balance in here? And that relationship with money is is something that that like intrigued me to kind of dig deeper, and realize that um, like what is the conversation that money has with you, like when you really, when you think about the fears about money and finances, what is what is going on um, in your brain in your mind, what is that conversation that you have that internal conversation that create that creates that fear. So when you say creating a relationship with yourself and money do you feel like some of that stuff obviously started from the past like what actually starts the relationship with money or the lack of relationship with money because it seems like you said there's a little bit of two extremes yeah exactly so so it so it's about like what have you made money mean in the past right some people correlate money with success some people when in the past like when in their childhood they um they kind of correlated uh, money with um, happiness, uh, maybe money with um, health. Uh, so it's this, this everything, especially specifically comes with the past, but then every person is different. So this is a practice that I actually uh, um, advise to, um, to think about what have you made money mean to you in the past? And that, that, is, a, that is a start of the thought process of, then what, where does my fear come from? So if what money means to you, and then what lack of money means to you? And then where does, you know, well, how does it affect and how does it actually generate that fear? So, so that's actually really interesting. So you're trying to say like the psychological effects of possibly our childhood, our nuclear family, things that have occurred in our past, obviously play a front and center role in our current present day relationship with finances. I have to say, I'm part of like, and I fully admit this, like I should be more aware of what my finances are. And I'm kind of in a traditional setup where my husband deals primarily with the finances. Thank God we have a great relationship. I respect everything that he does with it. We talk over everything, but he wants me to have more of a role. And I do think part of what you do with Stormbreaker Consultants is really empower women to kind of take ownership of their own financial success. So what kind of advice can you give somebody like myself that's like, listen, I 
yeah, just give me the money. I'll spend it how I need to spend it. But I literally have no idea of how my day-to-day expenses run, which I'm not saying is a positive thing. I actually should be more aware. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest for somebody like myself where it's super overwhelming? I don't necessarily have the best relationship with money. How should I get started without feeling overwhelmed? So I say the first step is to actually know and just observe the um, money inflow and outflow basically it's just be on top of these days with technology it's so easy to have access to your accounts uh have uh, there are a couple of apps that um that are very helpful in consolidating all your accounts in one place and then you can actually see what's your cash inflow and outflow is like after a little while when you um you kind of overcome that fear the first step of watching your money flow um then you gotta sit down one day. This is definitely, um, it's not overwhelming. It's just, it needs, it needs some, time, some of your time to get over that fear. The moment you analyze and know what comes in, what goes out, what, how much do you owe, what is the monthly payment on every aspect of anything that goes out of your accounts, then the fear is kind of gone. So I always say that awareness and knowledge um, weakens the fear. So the fear is there because because you're scared of what you don't know. You said like it's you're, the unknown. yeah, it's the unknown. unknown. Yeah, the fear is there. Is the fear of unknown. The moment you you know it, then it's going to be so small. Maybe the fear would be okay. So how can manage this? But the the fear is much 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 smaller. So you mentioned some apps, because all of us have a smartphone now, like that's just what it is. What are the top maybe three or four apps that you can recommend for somebody like myself to kind of get started and help ease some of that, and you know, ease some of that stress where it comes down to keeping track of money? What I do personally is that I actually create something on paper for myself, and then and then I, I have it meant uh, app and then acorn and then looking at it you know from a perspective my mint account is connected to all my accounts and i see um everything in one place but at, on the other hand what i what i always um recommend is that not to have too many accounts uh it's very helpful to have one account for spending account and one one savings account and one account for you know uh maybe three account is a maximum don't make it too complicated the more accounts you have the more dispersed the information is and it's harder to control it. So maximum of three accounts, um, three checking accounts or three checking and savings account is enough. I'm not talking about your retirement accounts, but just these accounts that you actually spend, your mortgage goes out, your daily spend, and um, that is that makes it more clear. So one of the apps I use is Mint. Um, Mint has been very helpful for me. One other app that I use for um, daily budgeting is $1. Um, this is the app that Dave Ramsey actually he recommends and it's been very helpful for me now if I want to tell you like what happens in like before you actually connect to all of like your your mint account or all your accounts to one place is that for the fact that you should sit down and go through all your accounts one by one and look at all your spending and basically write down um, all your credit cards um, your balances on those credit cards, the due dates, and the minimum balances. And um, if you if you actually carry balance on your credit card. And then after you have all of those, then you pay attention to all of the um, daily spending. And these apps are very, um, even right these days, the bank, the bank, your bank app uh, does all of this analysis too. So they tell you how much, um, you know, you're spending on groceries, how much you're spending on um, uh, utilities, how much you're spending on like maybe miscellaneous. But what, uh, but, um, what, I, what I do sometimes is that I feel like, okay, my Mint app might not have, for example, my student loan information. So um, I create an Excel sheet and Excel has another, another um, uh, template for budgeting and tracking money. And I just put everything in there. If all of your all of your bank accounts, uh, online accounts, you you have the ability to download everything into an Excel file, 
and then you can consolidate everything yourself. And you can, I mean, you, you're, that way you have more freedom into tagging all your expenses. Like you can say, okay, if I go out like eating out in my miscellaneous, but if I go out and eat with, um, I don't know, at this specific place, that's my daily expense. So this is, these are all um, like different ways of approaching it. Um, it all depends on you. But I would say like the first step for anyone that has the fear is to actually look at your accounts and watch it and have the knowledge of how much you owe, how much is going on, how much is your mortgage, uh, what you're paying, how much is your, like how much you spend every day. Like sometimes one method is uh, some people wanted to control their spending every day and it's, they call it an envelope method. So you put cash in an envelope and when the cash is gone, then you don't spend it. And that's I've done it. that before. It's very effective. <laughs> yes, yes. But then you have to know. Like, I mean, that uh, using a credit card sometimes it's. Um, I mean, it's easy to use, but then you lose track those, of what's those going 10, on. And those fifteen, twenty dollar charges that you think are nothing, all of a sudden at the end of the week add up and become real money. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. Cool. Yeah. Like I go to. Um, I go. Um, when I go to work every day, I, ha I mean, sometimes I use toll road and it's like $7 a day. Like at the beginning, you think yeah. oh, $7 a day is not much, but then think about five days a week and a then 20 days, days a month. So it's, it's, it, it adds up. It's like $140, $150 a month. So all those little fees here and there is all adds up. And if, um, and I think the, like envelope method is really good for someone that can't control their credit card spending and um, they actually want to see that that money leaving their their purse like in a tangible way that's the best way to do it um like if you and you can kind of put a reward in there and say okay if i have anything money left in this envelope then i can you know uh we could have it like you know, we can go out and have you know dinner out or something i mean it doesn't matter every reward every person has different reward system but um but you can say, or you can save it. It's um, it's always very helpful. I started that too. I mean, it's um, the first time I actually wanted to go over my um, credit cards and see like how much I owe and how much I have to pay every month and and what is the due dates. So due dates are important because you can kind of call the, your credit card company and ask them to switch up your due dates. So it um, it falls on the time that you know you are able to pay it's not like an like not like you can kind of manage it so not not all of your due dates are at the same time so it empties your account so um, um i that was, that was very scary because uh, i was like okay i had no idea how much i really owed i had a racket i knew an estimate of it but how much i owe and how much was my minimum payments and and one of the one good method after you do this is the snowball method, or we call it the thermometer method, is that you list all your, um, everything that you owe from the lowest balance to highest balance. And then uh, you pay everything else minimum balance, but you pay attention to the first one on top of your list, which is the lowest balance, and you pay that off. And then sure. when you pay that off, you add that minimum balance to your next payment, to the, your next credit card. And so you, you pay more every month to only one credit card and you pay the next one off. And then this one is just a snowball. So every time you go to the next one, you don't save that minimum payment. You add it to the next payment. Oh. And it, it kind of adds up and you, you pay every credit card faster and faster until you know the, the time that you're actually debt free. And this is called snowball? It's called snowball method, yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a little bit of that savings and add it to the next account to pay that off. And in the meantime, do you continue paying the minimum balances on all those other higher ones that you've got? Yes, yes. Okay. So you list okay. all your debt, so uh, all your credit cards uh, from lower balance. So if you owe to, uh, if you like $1,000 to one credit card and then $3,000 to the next one and then uh, $10,000 so the third one right and then the first one minimum balance is $50 the second one minimum balance is like $150 and the third one minimum balance is like $200 right so you pay the, the first one the $50 you you kind of start paying that off uh, faster so you because it's, because it's the 
lower balanced wine, right? So yeah, it's easier to pay it off. Exactly. So it's easier to pay that off. And after you pay off the, the loose balance, then you add that $50 to that $150 for the second credit card, and you pay $200 for your second one. And after the second one is paid off, then you add that $200 to the $200 minimum payment for the third one, and you pay $400 every month for your third one. And then the third one is paid off. It takes time, but it's, it's, it's very um, possible. And since your account already, it's kind of, we can say that it already has the capacity to handle all these minimum payments, it's nothing, nothing is going to happen to your accounts. It's just that you won't see those savings until you pay off all your debt. And all of a sudden, then you have $400 every month, you know, available to you. Oh, so you're saying essentially once you've paid off debt, don't then use that amount that you have been paying the debt in the past to now start saving that amount into, into a savings. So it then becomes like a net positive versus a net negative. Yes. And this is actually a good, good way to actually start uh, having a discussion of um, our emergency accounts. And um, we do like financial advisors com- uh, recommend having three to six months of your bare minimum expenses, which is your utility, your mortgage or rent, your um, like things that you can't, it's not extra fat basically. So you gotta, this, this is another thing that you need to um, know that, okay, I have expenses, I have miscellaneous, I have a phone bill, I have all of this, but there are some, so some things that it's, um, you know, it's daily, but it's luxury, right? Anything that you can't cut off from your, from your budget, that's the essential expense. And you add those up per month and you say, okay, I need to have three to six months of this in my savings account. Now, after you pay off debt, then you start creating that emergency fund. And after you build up that three to six months, and six months is more is idle, emergency fund, then you can think about, okay, what should I do now with my extra money? And then I mean, I think at that point, it's really good to actually see a financial advisor or think about um, investing or having some sort of a, um, a money market account. Um, so you're not for um, starting retirement as soon as you start earning money. You're all about pay the debt off first before you ever put anything towards retirement? No, 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 no. You always got to do uh, start retirement, <laughs> saving for retirement as okay, soon as you earn money. Yes. Start yes. Okay, what I'm saying is that like right now, um, the, um, normally my audience are not audience that are just starting to, to create debt or uh, just starting to um, to work. But that's the first thing. When you start working, saving towards retirement is one of the non-negotiable part of it. You, um, especially if, you're, if your company is matching your contributions, uh, it's, if you don't do that, you're leaving money on the table. So that's, um, that's non-negotiable. What I'm saying is that paying off debt, if you started with a system and not just paying it off because it's, ha- it's I mean, you, you have to pay it, the bill comes in and you just pay a minimum balance, or you pay like a little bit more to multiple of your accounts, right? If you set the system in to actually focus on one credit card at a time, then you can pay off your debt faster rather than um, kind of having like I had, I had a friend that she was paying, they had a hundred dollar extra on all of her credit cards, right? With the right. hope that she would pay those off earlier. But if she paid attention to your her first, you know, the the system that she had, it would have actually helped her pay off those faster. Um, so this is this is this is the reason I focus on the debt part. That the retirement contribution is. Is something that I mean like the moment you start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the whole concept of paying the higher interest card first is not that's not even a thing. Like you should go with the lowest balance because that's more manageable. Um, yeah, yeah. This manageable? is this okay. is this is called yeah. This is Dave Ramsey's um, method, and it's um, the snowball method. It fo- focuses on lower balance, not the highest uh, interest. 
um, and um, and with his and it's it, there's a there's a behavioral reason behind it, and it's that you know when you pay off one credit card, it's kind of like a reward, and you get motivated, and the motivation is goes going on. If you want to focus on your highest balance, um, the highest interest bal um, balance, then that might not go away that early, and then you still goes away. yeah exactly yeah. so. <laughs> So, so this is this way you kind of create that reward system for yourself too, to see that you know there's one less credit card that you have to pay every month, and then it goes on and on, and when it snowballs to the last one, it could be the highest interest or it could be the lowest interest. It doesn't matter. You pay them off anyways. The interest that adds up in the middle, there are some other methods. You know, sometimes I recommend that um, when you start paying off your credit cards one by one. Uh, you start getting uh, like you start getting attention from credit card companies because they realize that you're paying off your your balance right uh, as long as you're paying them interest is you're attractive but when you start paying them off then they start sending you uh, offers credit card yeah. offers and then credit card offers and if you have an interest bearing credit card then I recommend to transfer that balance to a a credit card offer is like you know 15 to 18 months zero interest you have you pay some fee at the beginning three to five percent normally but that three to five percent is not comparable to that 18 to 22 percent that you're oh, paying yeah. interest so then you you kind of feel relieved and then there's no tension behind oh i'm paying so high so high of an interest and you can focus on paying off your um uh, the snowball your 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 debt payments I just want to give a disclaimer to um, our listeners that, you know, this podcast is about managing debt, managing money, and managing our minds around both of those, and we're not really, while we're mentioning interest, we're not focusing on interest-bearing accounts or Islamic economics in this particular podcast. We can address it at another time, so, you know, if it's confusing you, like, why are we talking about interest-bearing credit cards? As Sally has said, the goal is obviously if you have an interest-bearing credit card with a lot of debt on it, try to transfer it to a non-interest-bearing account so that you can get out of the debt, pay it down faster, and not have to worry about paying the interest. But again, we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of Islamic economics here. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just trying to get into the mental work, um, tricking your brain into getting yourself out of debt and getting yourself to financial freedom. Um, if you don't mind me backtracking a little bit, sure. you had mentioned early on starting that internal conversation about having control of your money or understanding why you either do control it too much or don't control it at all. Mm -hmm. um, where did that develop for you? Where did you decide that it was important to start having this internal conversation or what was the stimulus that made you say, hey, I, I got to start doing this? Because you said you were an engineer before, which... You know, I don't think it's that different than being like an accounting person or a math person. But I kind of want to know personally, if you're able to discuss with us, what kind of started this journey for you into um, having those internal conversations about money and then encouraging other people to do it too? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, well, there's a story behind it. I, um, I, I grew up in an environment that... Um, money wasn't an issue that much so it's um for a long for the longest time i felt like well money comes and goes and you know i don't need to control it it's gonna happen anyways you know it's uh um uh, i know we call it barricade like it's just gonna allah will send you i mean you have some sort of grace from god and then you you receive that and it's you know i'm gonna i'm just gonna uh be so grateful for all the things that I have and it's gonna happen right I was very reactive to my environment until um, it came the time that I had to get divorced from my my husband at the time and for for many other reasons and then I realized that you know it's it's not what I thought it is you know my ex left me with lots of debt on the credit cards that was under my name but I never actually used them so that was the hint for me to um, that was the time actually I was going through the, the getting my finance degree and um, and then I realized that I need to do something about this so with over I left 
I left that relationship with over like $60,000 in debt. And then I had student loans. And then I realized that I need to be, re I need to be responsible for all of this. I need to start uh, being proactive instead of being reactive to my environment. So that was the hardest part of it, sitting down because I was so scared. I didn't even want to know, you know, right. you know, right. I wanted to, I, I wanted to put my head in the sand, the ostrich, you know, mentality. I, I totally just... call it that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to play ostrich. I don't want to know. Don't talk to me about money. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to put my head in the sand and say, you know what? Or anybody wanted to talk to me about finance. I actually got offended because I was like, that money is not important. Money is not everything, you know? And, and then I realized that this is not working. You know, if I don't take uh, responsibility, even if I took, don't take control of these, um, it's going to take over my life. And then it, that is going to run my life, not yeah. me running my life. So then I sat down and I, it was very painful to look through all of the balances. And, and, and then I did some research on how I could pay off debt. And I, um, I became familiar with Dave Ramsey. And meanwhile, I was getting more education on finance. I kind of like everything overlapped. And at the same time, with other reasons, I started going through a coaching program and that was not even related to this, but in, through that program worked on a lot of our fears and where those fears come from. And actually one of those fears is money uh, practice areas. So we talk about what is the role of money in everybody's relationship? Where are you? overly stingy with money? What are you overly generous with money? Um, like, do you know, like, what future money items you're ignoring? Like, is there anything in the future that you would need? That retirement is one of them, but there might be any other, you know, um, any like other things. Yeah, emergency yeah. funds, exactly. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my background. And since then, um, I've paid off a lot of uh, I mean, I paid them off, and then I created more uh, more debt for other reasons. But still, this time, I have it under control. It's not that I don't know. This time, every time, I'm not scared to look at my balances because I know I have a system in place, and this is gonna be happen again. I mean, life happens, and um, expenses come up, and uh, people, might, you know, we might put balance on your credit card with an intention that you know how to pay it off. The whole, so, the whole so my, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So my my question to you is because you you said a lot of our relationship stems from our past or our relationship, obviously from our nuclear family in our childhood, mm -hmm. and it obviously applies to the future or to the present day. Mm -hmm. How do we as parents start creating a better financial sense in our children? What do you think about like allowances or being more open about our financial situations with our kids? What is your thought process on that? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have an eight-year-old and, and for, for, for a while I was thinking that how I could incorporate um, financial responsibility into his daily life. And I, I did some research and I came up with this method of, I give him allowance and recently, his allowance is actually depends on the chores he does. I mean, some part of it does, some part of it doesn't. So there's some part of a fixed allowance that he has and he gets it no matter what. But then there's a part that, you know, if he does all of his chore list a day, he gets a dollar and, um, and then it kind of motivates him to do his chores. But at the end of the week, like he, he has a choice to separate his allowance into three buckets. One is spending, one is saving, and one is charity. And he could choose how much of his money he could put in every bucket. And like he comes to me and he said, mommy, you know, I have, right now I have, like for example, like $10 in um, allowance, I wanna pay $1, I wanna leave $1 in this bucket for charity, and I wanna save $1, and then I wanna spend the other $8. And, and based on, um, psychology, we are not allowed to tell them, you're not allowed to spend your allowance. The allowance is there for them to spend it or even burn it. I mean, it's, it's just that if you feel like you don't want to give them, you feel like really guilty about them uh, wasting that money, don't give them too much allowance. But when they have it, they are the owner of that fund and you, you can't tell them, 
do it or don't do it. You can, you can recommend it, but don't force them. It's their money, and unless they're responsible, they won't learn it. Well, the funny thing is, I found with my kids, when it comes down to them having to spend their own money on something, they're not as excited about it. <laughs> oh, yes. All of a sudden, it doesn't mean as much. You're like, hey, mama, can I go buy this? Sure. Are you going to pay out of it your allowance? And all of a sudden, they don't need it suspiciously. Mm-hmm. And I do think, to your point, giving them ownership of that allows them the opportunity to see, is this something they actually want or need? And a lot of the times if they come back and want to spend their money on it, they're actually going to cherish it, cherish it a little bit more, right? Because it's yes. something that they actually paid for. Exactly. And and this is, and you know, it's it's exactly that. And I, I, Parsa is the same. He like I, he says, Mommy, can I, can I get this thing? And I said, well, how, how are you going to pay for that? How much money do you have in your, you know, uh, in your piggy bank? And, um, and he's like, oh... Okay, let me think about it. <laughs> I thought you were going to just buy it. Like, you yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But sometimes he comes up and says, Mommy, I want to spend this much of my allowance on this. And I say, well, it's your money. Uh, but, you know, I can't, I mean, I, I, I say, say that we have to, it's really hard to control it, not to tell him, oh, don't you think it's better to save it? And I, and I tell him that, but then when he says, no, I want to spend it on this, and I say, okay, that's fine. And it has happened before that he came and he's like, mommy, I don't like this thing that I bought. And I, you know, could you like, reimburse me for this? I said, no, you don't get reimbursement for, for, your, for your bad decision. You know, bad decisions happen and you have to learn that uh, you made bad decisions. But what is very, like, I think that the part that I really, really like, there's one other part of it is that, like, for reward, for uh, your kids when they actually save, you know, once in a while you could add a little bit to their, uh, not as an interest, I don't want to put an interest, I really don't like when they put like an interest payment to your kids, but then as a yes. gift, you know, as a gift to for them because they were so vigilant in saving money, like you add a little bit extra, said so that this is because you've been saving so much, I, I want to add, you round up their, you know, whatever balance they have, round it up to the next, you know, uh, ten or like yeah, or yeah, yeah. Okay. Some is it's just like something they they appreciate it much more and the effect on them. I mean, we deal with the higher like really higher volume and uh, I mean dollar wise, but with kids, one dollar and ten dollars is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's like yeah. the difference between ice cream and the gumball machines. So exactly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my question to you: You mentioned um, part of the allowance. Um, allocation right it's spending saving and you said charity because Sadaba is literally one of our pillars of Islam how do you handle that like what percentage of let's say you give somebody ten dollars what percentage per week would you divide those ten that ten dollars up um, I mean, at the beginning for the kids, it all depends on them. But I normally recommend Parsa to have at least 10% for charity. And then, I mean, honestly, the highest, the better for saving. But but sometimes he actually comes on and he said, Mommy, I want to save more for charity. And I said, well, definitely do it. And, and he gets more uh, reward, like from the physical or attention-wise reward when he actually... Uh, saves on like spends on his money on in charity that to be his motivator just to, to know that okay if he does that he gets my attention better and he gets like he gets a um like he gets applauded because he's you know he's generous with his money with with the needy and that's the part that um and and what i what happens is that you know everybody has different method i let him choose the charity he wants to um, donate to. So like these days, he, he's very big in his two, uh, school charity that they support homeless. So he takes it there and he, he donated to the, you know, to his school charity. That's really good. I love, um, I have a little anecdote about um, what you're saying here, like the whole encouraging the charity. So we did this thing when my, my oldest was in second grade where, you know, it wasn't an allowance. It was kind of his birthday money and his eating money that he was getting, and it kind of amounted to a lot. And I think he had something like $220 at that point. And he was saving up for one particular thing, but now 
I have my wallet, I'm taking care of my money, I'm taking it with me everywhere, you know, until we go to the store to buy this one thing. And a few months later, I get um, some emails from his teacher because, as it turns out, when somebody doesn't have any lunch money, this kid has a $20 bill, he has no change, so he's just handing a $20 bill to his friend so he can go buy lunch, not getting change back or anything like that. So my little son, the Don, um, came back to me with just $40, because when I asked him about it, I was like, show me your wallet, honey, like, because we had said, kind of like you alluded to, you give them autonomy, you guide them, but you give them autonomy over the actual money that they have in their hot little hands, and he had given out um, $180 to his friends who are missing lunch money, because I'm sure a couple of them figured out, hey, if I get my lunch money every day, I'll get a 20 from Rayon. So that, that's what ended up happening. And we then had to take control, and we stopped giving them the money in their hot And so he's been kind of earning that trust back the last three years. Um, <laughs> as it goes. So it's just, I mean, everybody was calling him the Don on campus, the teachers and the administration, like, why is he giving money out to everybody and when I confronted him about it he was like well mom he didn't have money I have to like Allah says we have to help the poor (laughs) oh yeah there's a yeah exactly there's a limit to it but that's actually really really interesting that you mentioned that because I do think like I have to say my my kids are the same way right they're pretty generous um you know my older two have debit cards now because they do do things with their own friends right so I'm like okay if you're gonna go and walk home on Fridays that's kind of their thing everybody walks home they'll go have lunch together they go do these types of things I'm like okay I'm not gonna be giving you money to go do those things because anything extra and above what we've already talked about you're gonna go do so I was definitely noticing um that my kids were covering some of their friends Right. And it is one of those things where like, obviously if I'm an adult and I'm with the children, I will pay like if we're all at Starbucks, you know, that's just kind of our culture. We do all that stuff. Don't care about that. But I kind of tell them when you're with your equals and your counterparts, mommy does that because I'm the adult in the situation and I make that choice, but you don't have to kind of cover or pay for your friends. Like I don't necessarily want them to grow up to be these, um, you know, What's the word? I have to say cheap, miserly, because I love that they're generous, but I also don't want them, to your point, being the, the Don on campus, kind of developing this reputation where they, the husband kids will cover it, and all of a sudden, you don't really know who your true friends are, right? Like, that also is part of having this relationship with money. Like, yes. Sally, what kind of advice do you have for somebody like myself that I love the fact that my kids are generous, but I also don't want people to take advantage of them? Um, that's, that's definitely an issue. Um, I can say that one of the things that, um, I mean, I struggled with that too. I mean, I was one of those that I always wanted to pay the bill I always wanted to cover for everybody it didn't matter if it were kids I mean growing up that was me right and uh, culture, I think, you know? it's the culture but no yeah. not everybody does that though I mean it's um, right. it's it's the, the truth is that there is some there is there is a thought process that there's the mentality behind this and okay. what struck me was to realize that why am I doing this am I doing to uh, be nice. Uh, why am Why am I even trying to be nice? This is This is what a, this is a hard discussion, and it's deeper discussion of why do you want What do you want to prove by paying for someone um, when you know you don't have to, or when it's it, or when they are not needy, or when you know it's it's an immediate need. You do it once, but um, the problem is with the attraction of as Zeba mentioned, the non-true friends that because they users, I call them users. I mean, to be honest, uh, to be like to be around or just to use you for the advantages that you know um, that you have, and um, and I would have that discussion. I mean, I had that discussion with with Parsa. Parsa is still too young, but I think like, your kids and as teenagers, they they understand these concepts better. Of why do you even feel like you have to pay for someone that's not needy? You know, it's not... And it's, and it's funny because I have that same issue, too. Like, I'm very similar to you, Salahe. Like, if I'm in a situation, it's so awkward. Like, who's going to pay? And I just would rather just pay the bill than deal with the whole, let's split it. Or let's split let's, split let's, let's no, do that. Like, yeah. I just feel like it's just it's so dirty. against my nature. Exactly. Yeah. And part of it, to be 
truthful is I don't like feeling like I owe somebody something. That's that's right? that's exactly so part me, of it. Yes. I'd rather just I know this sounds shameful, but like would rather have the upper hand. I would much rather and you know, God has blessed us in so many different ways and I'm like, okay, what's a lunch or a dinner but then I do find that I am seeing that like what my kids are going through like I find that I can go out with the same person twice and they're not reaching for the bill and I'm like hmm the last two times I've reached for the bill and I've paid and yeah. it's, you see what I'm saying that reciprocity yeah. starts to get diminished a little bit because the assumption is made that you're going to cover the bill yes does that make sense exactly and that is, is my own relationship with money right like I feel almost shameful that I have an abundance. And I and, and by abundance, I mean more than what our needs cover by God's mm-hmm. grace. We give to charity. And I didn't necessarily grow up like that. So anything above and beyond, I kind of feel like is not mine. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I truly believe that. You know, I'm like, it's not mine. Like, I have a house over my head. I have good food. My kids are healthy. I have, you know, we're, we're wanting for nothing. So if I can cover a bill or pay for coffee or whatever, a bill go well, that's something that I'm willing to do. But to your point, like, you definitely have to have boundaries where that stuff is yes. concerned. And, so you know, how it's, would it's, you unpack go ahead, that? Go ahead. Like, what, what Zeba just said, how would you unpack that in your practice and in your coaching? Like, what would you what would you do if somebody said like you know it's not mine anyway so yeah. I'm spending it. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I mean, in, in following up with what Zeba was saying, it's a difficult, it's it's a hard conversation. It's a hard internal conversation. I um, we as mothers, we are we are role models to our kids. I mean, kids spend more time with us going out. You know, even at home, are dealing they they copy everything we do. So I think before we actually go and talk to our, our kids about any of this, I mean, not before, but then while we are doing this, it's good to work on ourselves. You know, I totally understand where Zeba is coming from, especially our culture is very, um, you know, generous. generous. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. But what I learned, honestly, from American culture, from that perspective, is... Um, to have boundaries and to set boundaries for every aspect. And from my coaching, this is the hardest discussion and I and I help my clients a lot on this. And and my coach helped me too, realizing that what is it that I want to do this, right? What is it that I even feel shameful to to have abundance in my life? Um, and even though Zeba says that she feels, you know, guilty of having abundance in her life, that is something that, you know, Zeba, I recommend you thinking about, like, what is it? I mean, dig deeper into your memories of what is it that, or maybe someone in your past has, and has impacted you this way, or it might be multiple things that happened, but by the same time, um, abundance. That's a whole nother podcast that we just don't have Yes, time. yes, We're I know. Okay, don't be, <laughs> be, be so honest. But I do agree. Like, I fully acknowledge that it stems from me. It's not somebody else. And I actually, it was so funny because one day I was reaching for the, for the check. And I had a friend that said, let me do this. I'm like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And she literally looked at me and she grabbed my hand and she said, <laughs> you are taking away the pleasure of me treating you. How sweet. Right? This is so sweet. And so I never <laughs> thought about that before, right? Yes. Like, because it was just not even in yes. my worldview. And she was like, you're taking that pleasure that I want to treat you away from me. Yeah. And so, so earn some buttercup and Exactly. And so it was just one of those things where like, so I don't necessarily reach for the check every time now that I do. I am a little bit more mindful of that because I never actually thought about it that way. So your relationship individually with these types of things is very important. So mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. I mean, personally, for me, the hard conversation was actually knowing, um, like staying uncomfortable when someone else, that was my practice, like uh, going out every time I went out with any of my friends, I try. I mean, unless it was like a huge crowd, I tried to pay. You know, I did pay, and then that was my practice to practice being uncomfortable and just paying your share, or let them pay for you. And that was your therapy. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like a. It was very difficult, but right now I'm more comfortable. I noticed like more about 
it's a, it's about us like everything that happens i know like some other people we we attract the energy we send out and i do truly believe in that so the moment you start setting boundaries some people won't show up in your life and you know it's, it's for the better and um and you know if someone doesn't like if if it's you know coming out or going out with me um more often because I'm picking up the bill and then since they notice that I'm not and they're not showing up anymore so so be it you know it's it's just life and setting up setting out like those boundaries and meant it's mostly mental than even even doing something that you feeling comfortable with receiving what is that that it just you feel uncomfortable in receiving and you want to be the giver all the time these are the things that I, I went through it too. And like at this point, I still, I still have a lot of work to do, but coaching has helped me dig deeper and realize that what are the intentions behind all of these activities that I do. I do believe that a lot around bring us here because we all have a purpose in this life. We all have to, there's a reason every one of us is here and I wanted to find that. I mean, I absolutely love all of that. Everything that you're saying, I think this is fabulous. Saliha, yeah. tell us where we can find you, what you're doing right now. Um, how, how can people connect with you if they want to improve their relationship with money? Sure. So um, I, I have a passion project that is to work with humans and, and mostly lovely women um, to improve their, their mental um, chatter, empower them identify those all the disempowering belief that you know women or mostly women have so i created this um business stormbreaker consulting and coaching um the website is a stormbreakerconsulting.com and my information is there i mean they can reach out to me my email is salehe at stormbreaker.com and i have facebook accounts to salehe Bahaji. Uh, they can message me. We could we could chit chat. I mean, we could set up a time. I love this field so much. I don't get tired talking about it. So I love this. Yeah, and we'll have all the links to your business, the website, the Facebook page, your email on our show notes. Um, the one like kind of closing question for me, and then I'll let Ziva take over. Um, the one question that I had, Salah, was Stormbreaker. What made you choose that particular name? Well, I think Stonebreaker is the, um, there, there are two aspects of it. You know, one was the power it had with, you know, in Acts of Thor and, you know, um, like all of it that it was just the deal breaker, right? It, not the deal breaker, the deal maker, I can say that. Like it makes something happen. And what the reason I loved it more is related to my coaching is that in, in the storm of life is you need some light to break that storm. And I'm trying to break that storm, that mental uh, chatter, the storm of mental chatter that's happening in our in our minds and in, and, and consequently in our lives. That uh, I'm trying to break that. So I call us storm breakers. I really love it because as soon as I saw the name, I was like, "Why is that so familiar? Why is that so familiar?" And then the other day, like this weekend, has kind of been like my son's like marathon of Avengers movies. Uh -huh. We watched Infinity Wars and I was like, wait a minute, that's Stormbreaker, Thor's axe. That's right. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And it just makes me so happy. Like as mother of sons, like I get it. And I, I guess you have a son too. Yes. Why this is so cool. And like my kids will love it now. Like there's a Stormbreaker that we know. This is amazing. Thank you no for problem. bringing Stormbreaking to our arsenal and one of many tools that we have as moms to succeed. Salahay, could you give us like the top five pieces of advice or four pieces of advice um, in managing your relationship? So it could be like, you know, getting your head, like trying to go, maybe it's like, it sounds like to me, you know, get, getting your own understanding of relationships with money and trying to come to terms with that, you know, trying to know where your money is coming and going. So this way we can kind of have a sound bite of like, from you, like the top five things or four things or whatever it ends up coming down to um, being. Sure. So I think the first the first um, conversation that it's helpful is um, is what what is the conversation that money has with you? It's um, it's definitely very deep. You could sit down and write this down, like or or what have you made money mean in the past? These two conversations go hand to hand 
and knowing that what is the role of money in your life first before you actually get in the act of doing i think it's very helpful for us to work on our being in relationship with money and think about what are we ignoring about money what does it even mean to us how are we correlating money so first thing i say work on your relationship with money from your being from your presence from your thoughts then the second one is to sit down and look at your money flow what is coming you know what is coming in what is going out what's going on the third one if you have debt if you have even if you don't i mean everybody either has a mortgage or student loan or something like that just list everything that you owe and start paying the above in a snowball uh, method which is setting down uh, setting them um, prioritize them from the lower balance to higher balance and just pay them off and add your minimum balance to the next month and the next next balance and next balance and next balance until you pay off all of them and i think um regarding our kids one other uh, one that's like one other point that's very important is that we are the role models so it's very helpful for us to know what is it that we are being overly generous with money or maybe even overly stingy with money some some parents are and what is the effect we have on our kids and I think teaching our kids to be responsible for their allowance and um, and and uh, kind of uh, empowering them in their donations and in their generosity while we we are watchful of them not being the um, the center of attention because they're they're the big spender. Salah, thank you so much. It was so fun um, talking to you and learning from you today. I. Um, feel armed and ready to kind of start having some of this, um, as you recommended, journaling about money and facing my fears rather than continuing the ostrich game that I've been playing for pretty much the last decade, a little bit over that. <laughs> um, so I appreciate your expertise and look forward to learning more about Stormbreakers and hearing more about Stormbreakers and hopefully to have you on another episode. Thank you again so much for sharing. Thank your you time so much. Week. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Usman. Thanks, Zeba. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Mm-hmm.